0: So normally when we talk about the gospel, we, we tend to talk about, and, and rightly so, uh, the, the gospel is the good news. What is the good news? Well, it's, it's what God has done in the person of Jesus, right? So when we talk about the gospel, our, our focus is almost entirely on like, hey, look what God did, right? Like, this is, this is so amazing. Look, look what God did. We, we did this, this thing before. So God did something at first, right? He creates everything, and then, and then we do something, uh, and we mess it all up right? And then God does something to to sort of restore it, to to make it whole again, right? So we, so the whole, the whole like proclamation of the gospel, right? Our response to what God has done is like, we got, we got to look and see what God did. And it's, it's incredible. Uh, But sometimes I think it's, it's worthwhile to ask the question, like, why, why did he do this? Right? Why, what was his purpose of everything? Of course, we know that he wanted to save us, but but what we celebrate today, the, the solemnity of the most holy trinity, is something even more, more foundational. And that, that really foundational thing is, is like God did everything so that you could know him. That's what we're celebrating today. That's what we're remembering. Our, that's what our focus is. Our focus today isn't, isn't so much on what God has done, but it's all about why did he do it? Who is God? That's why he did it, so that we could come to know who he is more fully. And we know this, that that in the Old Testament, in the the Old Covenant, God reveals himself to them, to his people, slowly, right? Uh, Beginning, primarily, actually, beginning with with creation. But then when Moses comes, right, he reveals a little bit more of himself, his name. Uh, And then in the law, he reveals, uh, you know, the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And there is no other besides him, right? So slowly over time, God reveals himself more and more and more. And you can, you can imagine this. We do this with each other all the time. When you meet somebody for the first time, typically you tell them your name and you maybe shake their hand. But if, if you're not even sure about that, you might not say your name, right? You might just sort of be talking to them. And then after there's a level of trust, You tell them your name, and then after that, maybe you share a little bit more about yourself, right? We we tend to do this. We reveal ourselves to each other slowly over time after we sort of build up a a level of of trust, a level of uh, growing in relationship, that kind of stuff. And this is how God works in, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, moving into the New Testament, that he just, he begins by slowly revealing himself. And then when Jesus comes, he reveals more of himself. This is, this, so th- this is ultimately what our focus is on. Like, who is the Christian God? And the Christian God is, is ultimately the same God, right? It's the same God as the, the Jewish God, just more fully revealed, right? In the Old Testament, God says, the Lord your God is one. We as Christians still believe that the Lord our God is one. But now we, reveal, we believe that, that Jesus has revealed a, another level, we could say, a, a, another, um, yeah, like a, a, a greater depth of who that one God is, that, that he's one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so like we're focusing on this, and, and it's not just that we're focusing on this, right? So, so God wants us to know him, and as we come to know him, to love him, how is it that we come to know God? How is it that we come to like, we, we maybe see who he is, he, we see that he's revealed himself to us, but, but now it's like he wants to reveal himself to us individually, right? We see in, in the scriptures, in the gospel, that Jesus is revealing himself and, and the Holy Trinity to us on like a corporate level, right? So that as God's people, we can understand communally who our God is. And, and how we come to believe in him and how we come to worship him and how he, he relates to us in our lives in, in the different ways. But, but then what he wants to do is, after revealing himself corporately, communally to us, he wants to reveal himself individually to us. And that requires relationship, right? It's, it, it would be something completely different. I could, I could stand here in the pulpit and tell you guys about my life but it would be something completely different. I've noticed this, actually, that, that when, when you have a, a public speaker, right, who, who speaks publicly, but then when that public speaker actually comes down out of out of the public into the private realm, and, and he or she gets to know you personally, there's just something different about that. There's something more intimate, something more just, like, close in, in like, I'm, I'm not just listening to this person, but now I'm... I'm actually sharing a real relationship with this person. And this is is like what God does. We could say in the Gospels, he, he speaks to us as though a public speaker. But then when we take the Gospels and we go into our inner room, as Jesus tells us to, for our private personal prayer, there he can reveal to us something of a greater depth of himself to us. And we can actually come to share a more intimate relationship with God. And in fact, in fact, we believe this, that that both of those things are necessary. And the scriptures reveal this to us, that there is there's a necessary aspect of our relationship with God that involves us coming together on a corporate communal level to offer worship where he can reveal himself to us in the scriptures read publicly and and corporately to us. But then there's an additional aspect where we, when we step out of our time of public worship, where we go to privately pray and privately offer worship to God there. That we have both of those aspects. You can't, ultimately, we can't be in a a right relationship. We can't be righteous if we don't have both of those characteristics. And and this ultimately is, is because, right? Because he wants us. He wants us. The sentence can end there, right? God desires you. And, and our psalm, I think, talks about this. In Psalm 8, when, uh, the psalmist David is writing, when I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. In other words, David is, he's looking at everything and all of creation. He's, he's taking a moment to take his focus off of himself and to look up and just to see God made everything. But then he says this, what is man that you should be mindful of him? Or the son of man that you should care for him? You have made him little less than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. David somehow is able to see, he's able to see that that out of everything God makes that somehow, for some reason, God's favorite creature is the individual human person. Somehow, brothers and sisters, God's favorite creature is you. And so David recognizes this and he's just like, what? Who am I that 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 you even care about me, God? You've made everything that exists. And David didn't know this at the time. And I, I say this all the time, but like we, we forget how big the universe is from any given point on Earth. 46 billion light-years away, we can see. And we believe, actually, that there's even more out there to the universe. And God made it all without effort. He breathes, and things come into existence. and, And yet, for some reason, me and you, an insignificant, tiny bit of creation, a tiny, easily forgotten Somehow he's mindful, he knows about us. It's not just that he knows about us, like he looks at us and he calls us by name. And David is just like, this is amazing. God, somehow, for some reason, you, you delight in me. Who am I? This is amazing. Right, this is like, this is the God. Who wants relationship with you right we should be the ones begging to have relationship with him but instead it's it's like the opposite right like he invites us and and he does all of this right he does he sends Jesus to do everything that he can just so that we can somehow have access to him because because we know that by by our sin we sang this in our opening song we know this that that by our sin our eyes are made blind to god that that because of sin we 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 can't think clearly all the time or most of the time because of sin we can't we can't see in the bigger picture we we lose sight of god and we just focus on ourselves and so what god does is he comes and he makes a way for us so that so that we can not just, like, know who he is and not just have relationship, but that somehow, somehow we enter into that life. That when, when you're baptized, when you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, when I was baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I just didn't, it's, it's not like I, I, I sort of formed this, this new relationship with God, but that we believe this, that that we become attached to Jesus like 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 my arm is attached to my body that that somehow when we're baptized we are attached to Jesus we call this the mystical body of Christ that that we're now like part of Jesus and being part of Jesus right we're part of the Trinity it's incredible to think about it it's a mystery that we can't fully understand but but sometimes we got to try to let our minds expand a little bit to think about this that that you and i are members like we are part of the holy trinity the father the son and the holy spirit and that being part of that right we're, we're called we're called to something greater and this this ultimately like this is what jesus is trying to get at in the gospels so, so many times, when we talk about the Gospels, we can talk about, like, just behaving correctly. I, I can do this, you can do this, this can be our mindset. Like, if I just do the right things, then I know that it'll be okay. And there, there's an aspect of that that's true. But but ultimately, the Gospels are so much bigger than that. Like, Jesus didn't come to to simply establish a moral code. Again, that's part of the Gospels. But that's that's not why he came, like, he didn't... He didn't come just to get us to behave. But he came actually to bring about something bigger in our hearts. Something bigger in our minds. Like, he wants wants us to do the things on the outside, absolutely. But he wants something to happen on the inside of us that, that changes the way that we think, that changes the way that we look at life. In fact, I was, I was talking to some priest friends about this this morning, guys, guys that I live with. And uh, as I was talking about this, uh, it was helpful for me to just sort of talk through it so then I could think. And it's like all week long for our weekday mass, homo- or our weekday mass readings. So maybe, maybe you don't know this. In the Catholic Church, we have mass every day. Um, so you can come to mass every day if you'd like to, uh, in addition to Sundays. Uh, and our weekday mass readings are different. Um, and we follow a cycle in our Sunday Masses, but then we also follow a cycle in our weekday Masses. And all week long in our weekday Masses, we've been hearing from the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this week it was, and I think next week too, it'll all be just chapter 5. So just slowly going through little, little verses or little passages by little passages. And at, uh, towards the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, for I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is laying this out towards the beginning of his sermon. He's he's saying, like, this is a salvation thing for you. Look at how the scribes and the Pharisees are living. And he says that your righteousness, your, your way of living needs to somehow surpass the scribes and the Pharisees. And so if this is the case, we got to sort of like ask, like, what's going on? So the scribes and the Pharisees, like, they, they heard the law of God and they followed it. They, be, they were behaving correctly. But inside of their hearts, there wasn't much going on. This is what Jesus is getting at. He's like, your, your righteousness. In other words, like, there needs to be an interior revolution in your heart and in your mind in order for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? So it's not just a matter of doing the right things. But instead, it's, it's that I recognize that God is inviting me into his life. And so I let my heart expand to become more like his heart. And I let my mind expand to become more like his mind. And then as that happens, then naturally, that's going to carry out into the externals of my life. Right? So, but but the, goal, the goal of Jesus is, is ultimately... A transformation of my entire being think about this brothers and sisters like you can think like God thinks have you ever like heard yourself asking the question like why does God allow this to happen why does God make this happen right these are questions we ask all the time do you know that it's actually possible for you by God's grace to to know the answers Maybe not fully, but to slowly over time, like God can, can lift a bit of the veil that covers you so that you can see more clearly who He is and what His purposes are for your life and for the world. It's incredible. And yet, brothers, it's, it's not just that it's incredible, but that, like, this is your call. This is who you are meant to be. So many times we, we just let ourselves settle. You know, like, God doesn't want us to settle. Like, he wants us, he wants us to be fully transformed in him. But, but if we just sort of, like, let ourselves stay in sin or if we let ourselves stay in worldliness, we'll never get to that point. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how, like, like we can look at people like St. Paul. We can look at the, the, the holy men and women who have lived throughout history. Those men and women who are saintly, godly, righteous men and women. And we can see that what? That they just look at life differently than everyone else. They're the ones who are are willing to sort of challenge our worldview and and push us and, and call us to stretch beyond what everyone else is doing. Because after all, if we're just sort of like, if we're thinking like everyone else around us, then that might actually be a dangerous thing. Because Jesus talks in the gospel about how there are many people who find the way that leads to destruction, and there are few people that find the way that leads to life. And so if I find myself just sort of going along with the crowd, it actually causes me a little bit of fear. I don't, I don't want to just go along with the crowd, because to be Christian, to believe in the Christian God, is actually to, to be pushed and, and to, to allow my mind to expand so that I look at life differently. But for me to, to embrace that, to fully embrace this, like I can have real relationship with God, I have to, I have to sometimes, maybe many times, step away from the world. You know, like maybe as, as you're hearing this, if, if, you, if you're tracking it, if the Lord is giving you ears to hear, You can maybe begin to think like, gosh, maybe those five minutes I spend every day praying for people, maybe that's just not quite enough. Gosh, maybe, like, maybe I watch too much news. Maybe I watch too many sports. Maybe I'm just a little too concerned about what my neighbors are doing. Maybe I take in just a little bit too much entertainment and I actually need to, like, I need to maybe not necessarily cut those things directly out of my life, but maybe I need to find a way to get less of those things and to get more time with God. To actually, like, go to him and and ask him to teach me, as Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to do. To invite God into my life in a deeper way, and as I invite him to bring about this interior transformation... I recognize that I do actually have a part to play on the externals, right? God does something on the inside. I have a part to play on the outside, which is to prevent myself from becoming a friend of the world. To prevent myself from looking at life through the lens of my politics and instead to look at life through the lens of my faith in God. Right, I need to, I need to, I need to do this because, because the invitation is just too incredible. It's just too incredible to, like, how could I, how could I possibly turn down this, this incredible invitation from God to share life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the sake of some passing worldly thing? I can't imagine. And so maybe this week we can just sort of consider, how can I, this week, beginning maybe today, How can I take less time with worldly things and more time with godly things? How can I maybe take a step back from my life, turn and take a step in faith toward the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Trusting that somehow taking that step in faith is gonna bring about an interior revolution which is actually gonna change my life in the best possible way and expand the capacity of my heart, expand the capacity of my mind. Ultimately, it's going to expand the capacity of my soul to receive more and more of God.